Welcome back to Start Spreading the News. The Yankees had a great week with a big win with some controversy in Toronto and some big wins with no controversy in Cincinnati. Actually, a little controversy. But joining me to talk about it as usual, I can't say as always now because we have some IL stints, uh, but fresh off the 10-day IL from Stanford, Connecticut, Jake Ojalvo. How's it going, Jake? Good. Feels good to be back. Uh, sorry to all the listeners. I had to miss last week, but I listened to the whole thing. Uh, Demar and Gruber really, really picked up my slack. So I don't even know if you guys need me anymore. You, you did so well, but now we're, we're missing Gruber tonight. Um, but as, as, as always, we'll, we'll try and fill in for each other. So uh, doing well. How are you, Demar? I'm good. We definitely do need you because uh, no Gruber, as you said, we're like the Yankees. We lose someone uh, and we gain someone else back. And now if Gruber comes back next week, I probably won't be able to make it. So uh, hopefully hopefully next week we'll have a, a full three again. The Yankees, though, I don't know. Things feel pretty good. Things feel real good, actually. We have this Blue Jays series, which was, I think, probably the most. I mean, the Rays series was also pretty exciting, but the Blue Jays series was up there with the most exciting series of the year. And then this Red series where... You know, sometimes I think the Yankees don't do what they need to do against the bad teams, and that just wasn't the case here. The Yankees fully took care of business. Yep. It's always satisfying to, you know, beat up on the Blue Jays because, you know, the, as as we always say, this with this season, the division games mean more now because you only get a certain number with, with playing every team, and that just heightens the importance of all these division games. So winning three, three or four in Toronto – and then sweeping the, the 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 Reds on the road, that was really good too. Because, like you said, it, it's easy to kind of overlook these teams that are bottom five in the league. But when you actually just come out and pummel them, it's like it feels good. Because the Yankees sometimes, it, you know, they'll win the first two and then they'll punt the last game. Uh, but tonight they they finish the job without Judge, so um, feels good. I think they've won twelve of the last sixteen, and now they're nine games above five hundred. So hitting a little bit of a stride. I really hope they can keep it up uh, at home against the Orioles coming up next, next series. Yeah. And you mentioned how uh, they're kind of hitting their stride and they're hitting their stride, even though like there's still some sort of roster uncertainty. We have some random injuries that we'll get to that popped up in this last week and uh, some other roster changes that we'll for sure dive into some really surprising stuff. But We'll start with the Blue Jays series, uh, game one against the Blue Jays. This was a real good one. Um, Jimmy Cordero opened for Johnny Brito. Uh, they both really pitched well. I thought this was one of Johnny Brito's best starts in a second. Uh, Judge, and I think this is just like a sort of a theme of the week. Judge is really good. Uh, <laughs> Judge is like sort of in that God mode where he just like he's locked in and there's really nothing that can stop him at that point. Uh Judge with two home runs in this game, one early off Manoa, one late off of somebody named Jay Jackson. We'll get to him later. And uh, Willie Calhoun, a uh, nice home run. Shout out as well to Higgy and Rizzo for some RBI hits. And uh, that was a 7-4 win, as I said. What was kind of the takeaway from this first game, apart from the controversy with Judge, which we'll get to uh, in just a sec? Yeah, of course. Um yeah, I mean, Judge is the highlight, but I definitely do want to shout out Jimmy Cordero with uh, the opener. I I don't know. It's kind of not my favorite thing, but 
when you get two scoreless innings from an opener, it does kind of just, I don't know, it feels good. You you get, it's kind of like you're starting ahead. You can kind of roll in with Brito. And um, we saw it yesterday. He kind of isn't cut out for like those long outings. So I think limiting him to four or five innings is perfect. And then if you can start with two, just that'll get you to the eighth, ninth inning. So um, there is something to be said for the starter, but that said, I'm still a little skeptical of it. Um, on the other side, though, it, it, it's always good to hit Manoa. He's kind of been a Yankees, uh, I don't know about rival, but he's kind of been just annoying. And Yeah, um, he's obnoxious. He's he, Yeah, there's definitely some bad blood between Manoa and the Yankees, so it's always good to hit him around. And yeah, Willie Calhoun pulling his weight. Um, I like him as a, as a role player in the outfields. Um, but other than that, nice seven, four win, uh, Michael King closed, closed this out. So, um, all around a good, good thing. And I think that'll be a theme of this week. The bullpen's really, really holding up strong knock on wood, but, um, they're, they're a big reason why this team is, is succeeding these past couple of weeks. Yeah, no, um, you said a couple of really great things there. One, I also kind of don't love the opener inherently I think it's just like the part of me that thinks like it's not necessary how much is it really helping um and you know changing guys roles on them is not always the best course especially in a routine oriented sport like baseball but I do think with Jimmy uh with Jimmy Cordero and Johnny Brito it worked really effectively here and avoiding sort of the middle of that lineup and sort of bringing Johnny Brito into a winning situation already I think was actually very effective and he pitched he pitched really well I think it was his best start probably or it wasn't a start but he was the bulk guy he threw five innings um it was his best appearance I think since that first series uh when he was so great in his debut and I wonder if because I mean he was sent down now but I don't think this is the end of Johnny Brito even this season I think uh when he comes back up, I wonder if this is something they'll use again because his next start was not as good. And, you know, maybe there's something too, kind of the way he pitches when the game is already in progress, when he, he doesn't have to fa- uh, face the top of the order right away, the the heart, especially with a team like the Blue Jays. The Reds are obviously not a team like the Blue Jays, but um, <laughs> I think it was, it was interesting how effective he was against a good lineup, uh, in this kind of role. And you also mentioned Manoa, like this has become a, a thing and it's sort of a thing throughout the uh, Blue Jay series here. The Blue Jays like to talk and the Blue Jays are kind of obnoxious and <laughs> Manoa is kind of the face of that. He's, he's a big guy. He likes to chirp. He was chirping. I forget if it was Sevy or Cole uh, or maybe both last year. Um, and you know, he, he had those quotes, I think, about Cole being a cheater. Like he just he likes to he likes to say stuff. And throwing five runs on him in four innings at his home ballpark is really nice. And it's even nicer because now you can kind of work a narrative here about Judge and Manoa, where Judge has hit a couple of really nice home runs off of him. There was a game, I think twenty twenty one, where it was real close. It was kind of a pitcher's duel. And in the sixth or seventh, Judge took him long. And it was a really, a really like Judgian home run. And now, you know, Judge is uh, 
stats against Manoa don't look that great, but both of his hits are home runs. Yeah. Uh, so I don't know. Um, certainly he's, he's finding something and, uh, and this is not the same Alec Manoa that we've seen the past few years. He's, he seems to kind of be struggling. There was a lot of positive here. The one negative I do want to talk about, and this comes up throughout the week, Glaber Torres' defense looks pretty suspect right now. And we've never really seen him not play well defensively at second base. We've seen a lot of it at short. Uh, he had this weird play in this game where he, he tried to flip it for a double play, and he just kind of lost the flip, and it went sort of into the infield grass. Do you have any concerns about Glaber at second? Yeah, I mean, how can you not looking at this past week? It keeps coming up. And like you said, we, we always kind of, at short, it kind of, uh, it reared its ugly head. So they were like, all right, let's put him at second. And he was good last year. He was um, good enough. And, uh, you know, you always think like, if you can play shortstop, second base should be a breeze. But it is a little bit concerning. And he's had some like base running mishaps. I I don't know. It's a lot of things are weird with him and like before the season i think we we were all kind of debating whether he would get re-signed or or if this is like a make it or break a year i'm kind of i've gone i think over to your side i don't think there's really any way that we re-sign him for many reasons one is because the infield's very crowded right now and with guys like peraza kind of knocking on the door um but other than that like he just there are some of these mental miscues that and physical miscues too that are kind of inexplicable. So I don't think that uh they have the patience and he's definitely gonna get a pretty big contract just because of the name value and he has been producing. So I don't know if the Yankees are gonna do it. Um, but you know, all in all, I am a little bit concerned with his fielding, but I hope he really can turn it around. The other thing, real quick, I want to hit on is this is something the Yankees did twice actually in this week. They rested uh, Harrison Bader and DJ LeMahieu in the same game. Uh, I don't hate that like that at all. <laughs> no. um, they didn't lose either of the games, but it makes me so uncomfortable because essentially what they're doing is they are turning their like replenished lineup that they have now because Bader came back, because Judge came back, because they're getting production from some places that they haven't always gotten production, and they're turning it into their hamstrung lineup from a few weeks ago where I kept saying the pressure is all on Rizzo, uh, Glaber, and DJ because if they don't produce, there's so little happening in the rest of the lineup. And just like intentionally doing that, I understand with Harrison Bader, he came off an injury, you want to take a slow. With DJ, you have a lot invested in him. He's been hurt in the playoffs the last two years, couldn't play, and you want to make sure you're not overexerting him. He's he's 34 too, so he's not um he's not that young. At the same time, it doesn't have to be the same day. I understand against Manoa the splits with lefties like you want to get who was it? I guess Willie Calhoun and Jake Bowers in here. Yeah, looking uh, at this lineup, I don't know how we put up seven runs on Alec Manoa. It's like all the contact is gone yeah, without Bader and DJ. In there, but just yeah. like I don't like this at all. And no. uh and there's a way to do this where you spread it out better. Um, yeah, I hope the fact that they won both the games that they did this doesn't like stick in Boone's mind. Like, oh, maybe we should do this more. No, no, I think it do does. Not do I that. think I think it absolutely does. They did it oh. this week. It's just, I think it's something we got to live with. It's 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 very irritating though. Yeah. Um, 
And, you know, actually, you could say Calhoun was a really big part of this win. He hit that two-run home run in the first, so props to him. And I just think, you know, he has, in this lineup, he has one, two, three, four guys who are hitting from the left side. So that's clearly an intentional thing, I think. But it's also four guys who are worse hitters than LeMahieu and Bader. And yep. Jake Bowers, Willie Calhoun, Oswaldo Cabrera, and Aaron Hicks. So Yeah. How do you feel about Jake Bowers in the leadoff spot? <laughs> that was something I was not expecting. Yeah, it's um so we've done it a couple times now. We're yeah. clearly uh we're clearly playing with it. I was it's not good, but it's not <laughs> the worst thing in the war. I think it comes from so Jake Bowers also had a bad series in Toronto. Um, he didn't have a great series in Cincy either, so he might be cooling off a little bit, but it comes from, I think, they like his at-bats, they like his eye, um, and they think he can get on base. I still think Harrison Bader or LeMayhew is probably a better choice for that spot. Yeah, LeMayhew, I think, is for sure the four-hitter now until Stanton comes back. Then I think he probably goes back to one, but you know, I guess with the current iteration of I think I do actually like Jake Bowers at leadoff more than Volpe right now. Um, yeah, Volpe seems comfortable in that, whatever, like six, seven, wherever he's been. He's been, uh, I like him in that spot. And also, they moved him down and he immediately caught fire. Right. Like, I think there's no need to rush him. I mean, Glaber's first year, he had, uh, he hit seven, eight, nine all year. Um, and do you remember that 2019 team? The bottom of the order was like the best in in the whole league like they felt good like we have yeah. uh Gio Rochella down there we had Gary down there at some points we had Guardy down it's just like having hitters at the bottom of your lineup feels good and then when you have LeMahieu back at the top or if you have Glaber I guess which they've been doing which I also don't really like um then you have some people on for them and obviously that becomes judge as well so exactly I- I'm not opposed to, especially while he's young and figuring things out, having Volpe hit low. Yeah, no no complaints. He's, he seems much more comfortable. And the pressure's off. I mean, not totally, but uh, having a rookie in the leadoff spot, it, it's tough, especially first time seeing a lot of these pitchers. So I'd rather have, um, like you said, DJ. He's seen it all, Bader even. So that sounds good to me. Now, we can't uh, talk about this game without bringing up the uh... – the cheating allegations, and I say allegations like that because they're so feeble. Um, <laughs> this is, of course, Judge was caught looking over at the Yankee dugout or the first base coach or something right before a pitch came in. The Blue Jays uh, announcers noticed this and sort of recklessly speculated about the legality of it. There's been like some online conversation about if it was like appropriate or not. I just think like there's no reason to think that was anything illegal. Uh and of course he did hit a home run, which was pretty great. The Blue Jays after the game just acting like total clowns. Uh Jay Jackson, the reliever who he hit it off, says something about how unusual that was, how he thought that was uh weird he noticed it he he didn't say he was cheating but he implied that he was cheating john schneider who i'm gonna get into i'm gonna rip into actually in this next uh after this get your popcorn ready 
John Schneider, I uh, have lost a lot of respect for. Not that I had that much, but like <laughs> he was just some guy to me. Now he's a clown who I want to want to take down on a podcast. Uh, but John Schneider also with some really silly comments about this. And there's a couple things here for me, and then I'll let you get into it. One, we're in Toronto. Like, what kind of cheating apparatus could we have? Are we like sneaking equipment in? so that we can read their signs or there aren't even signs anymore, really. So they're, they're pitch com. Are we hacking? Like, what are you implying? And two judge is allowed to get signs from the dugout. He's allowed to get signs from the first base coach. If their reliever is doing something that makes it clear what pitch he's throwing, that's on him. And third Jay Jackson in the at bat to judge threw five straight sliders. And the one he hit for a home run was the worst slider. And Aaron Judge makes a living off of crushing your mistakes. Aaron Judge does not need to steal signs to hit the uh, the middle-middle slider fifth in a row off a journeyman reliever. It's just, like, ridiculous. And then the next day, Jay Jackson comes out and goes, I, I watched the tape and I was tipping. So <laughs> this is just such uh, such reckless speculation by the Jays booth such childish and stupid behavior by the Jays themselves. And I do kind of feel like it's been a one-sided rivalry where the Jays are always kind of, I don't know, they're chirping, they're Vladdy saying things like, oh, the Yankees are the easiest team to beat. And now I do feel like we have some like real hatred for the Jays. Like the Jays are annoying and I want to beat them and I want to beat them badly. Yep. <laughs> um Nothing much more to add. I think you covered it very well. And this, I guess, is a week old. So there's been a lot of discourse back and forth. I think the initial outrage was a lot on Twitter, that initial clip. It did kind of look a little suspicious, but like everything's, as long as you're not using technology like the Astros did, it's completely legal. I mean, you could, if the first base coach picks up on something and judges looking over to him to get a location, to get a pitch, that's, that's all gamesmanship that's completely legal so um it's a lot of people that don't really know baseball that love to chime in and accuse you know everyone of everything just um but yeah it's a lot to do with nothing it's as peter rosenberg would say a nothing burger it's it's uh it's really just stupid and and i agree that the blue jays are kind of just annoying at this point and they've i don't know john schneider yeah he's he's kind of just a loser he's a loser um the other thing is, I should say, Judge absolutely, I think, had something. I thought it was pretty yeah. funny. Judge has this great thing he does, and I'm not saying this sarcastically. I love this about Judge, where he loves to blatantly lie in his press conferences. Like, yeah. <laughs> I feel like Cole does that, too. Cole, like, sometimes he does. Oh, if someone shows up Cole, Cole will pretend he was unbothered, right, but he's right. obviously, like, He's giving a, a canned answer. And remember, like, there was some delay where, like, they, I think it was... It was maybe, Manoa. Oh, yeah. And he was like, yeah, I didn't really, I didn't even notice. He obviously did. <laughs> he doesn't even say it that naturally, too. He goes, yeah, I didn't notice. <laughs> because he's Cole. He can't say anything naturally. But he says it in, like, an even unnatural way for Cole. But yeah. I love that, too. Judge, Cole will give you, like, real answers, though, about other things. Like, he'll... Judge will blatantly lie about things, and it's so endearing. Like, he's such a captain, and he does this about, like, he he 
hits a home run and they're like, so that seemed to mean a lot more to you because he has some kind of reaction or he's so, and he'll just be like, no, no. <laughs> and he does that pause. He has these like pauses he does where he's like thinking about his lie. Yeah. And he's literally telling you like what I'm about to say is not true. Yeah. You have to go along with it. <laughs> and it works because he pauses before everything, but his pauses before lies are longer. And yeah. it's so, it's so obvious. And he was doing it all over the place this week. They asked him at the end of this Jay series, like, so this series, it meant more to you. Um, just all the controversy, you getting dragged into it. And, and he goes, no, no, it was just a, it was great. Uh, great win series win. I felt really good about it. And it was like, judge, you clearly, perfect. clearly don't feel that way, but you're saying it anyway. That's what we love about you. Um, love it. so let's move on to this next game. Uh, more controversy lots of controversy here uh this was another 6-3 win um starting for the yankees was domingo herman he pitched three perfect innings not that anyone cares because after that he was ejected for a uh a hand check the ump said it was the stickiest hand they've ever felt we'll get into that later because i thought that was a weird quote because it was literally the same quote that the umps gave about Scherzer. Exactly. Um, Hamilton comes in. He's He gets two outs. He gives up a hit. He gets hurt. Super unfortunate. Hopefully he'll be fine because he's been a weapon. Um, Marinaccio comes in. He is not good. He gives up three runs. Uh, and then we're saved by Ryan Weber, who pitches two and a third, scoreless. Uh, and he passes the baton off to Clay Holmes and Wandy, who each throw a scoreless inning. Hitting wise, the Yankees were up for uh Herman here with a Glaber RBI single and then a weird Bader RBI grounded into a double play. Um it wasn't a real double play though, because it was like a ground out and then Glaber got thrown out on the bases, like we were talking about before. A couple of weird plays from Glaber on the base paths. IKF hits a home run later to make it three nothing. Like I said, they rallied to tie it off of um Ron, so 3-3, and then in just like the most beautiful, uh, just really perfect, uh, you know, it was poetic justice. Judge, in the eighth inning, huge home run, <laughs> dents the sign of the Maple Leaf in center field, which is like a high. This is like one of the biggest home runs I've seen from Judge. And the Rogers Center already just feels big. It feels like everything's far away. But he he rocketed this one. He kind of he's like showing them up a little bit. He's pointing. He said he was pointing to the bullpen. He wasn't pointing to the bullpen. <laughs> uh, and then he covers his eyes as he's crossing home. It's just like this is this is the kind of thing that is like perfect for a team like the Jays because the Jays are so cocky, and this is just a real trying to put you in your place. Thing and often this kind of thing I feel like backfires on the Yankees like the the Astros game last year where they were like playing with their jerseys and then Altuve walks us off this one didn't it was beautiful uh, Wandy with the save another save for Wandy he's been getting a lot of ninth inning reps what's your uh, and then there's controversy that we'll talk about after but what's your uh, main thing about this uh, this six three one I think it was I think it's the bullpen again I mean Domingo. He looked really good. He looked like he was on pace for another one of those 
tremendous starts that he seems to uh we say once a season but it's starting to become more than that so maybe he's just becoming a good pitcher but um three perfect innings it was he looked really good and maybe it was because of the substance whatever and he got taken out so we got to fill fill six innings and the bullpen did i mean with the exception of marinaccio did a phenomenal job um kind of the the theme of the week but other than that i mean trevino nice three three hit game prior to his injury um we'll talk about that later but yeah this is kind of a none event i mean it's kind of going to be known as the the domingo game that's kind of what it's known for but um nine hits off of kevin gosman who's their ace and kind of just an ace in general he had 10 strikeouts he seven went seven strong but um it was good to get two runs off him prior to banging up their bullpen a little bit overall solid game six three um coming off the controversy it was double controversy i guess it was good to rub it in their face yeah so before we get to the controversy just the i kind of want to dwell for a sec on how perfect this is judge gets slandered after a really big game and then in the biggest moment of the next game judge comes through not only gets the win but he gets it for us in like a really showy way like judge is is obviously one of the best players in mlb and he shouldn't have to deal with the kind of like low level stuff the jays were uh, throwing his way but for him to like sort of publicly take it to them this way and like the symbolism of him hitting the leaf and it kind of falling apart is is really great perfect ryan weber like big ups to that guy like he this was kind of a game that was primed for us to sort of fall apart in because we have the nice start from domingo he gets ejected and then the guy who comes in next ian hamilton who's been awesome he gets hurt and we can talk about if he was like trying to rush his his warm-up i don't i'm not really i feel like he's a professional he wouldn't he wouldn't try to do that, but I saw some of that. I, I'm skeptical, but the, the balls that it takes for a journeyman who who hasn't really ever stuck anywhere. He, he had a couple seasons for the Red Sox. He, it's just like it hasn't really happened for him at the major league level. But he's good enough to kind of play a role here and there, right? For Ryan Weber to come in to this game is kind of a pressure cooker game, all this controversy and the optics. If we don't win this game, when there was that judge story the day before, and now this Domingo story become really, really bad. And we don't win it without Ryan Weber, like Ryan Weber pitching a huge, huge two and a third. And it's not the last huge outing he gives us. Like Ryan Weber was a huge part of this week for the Yankees. And this was probably the biggest outing for him. So, Really, really proud of that guy. And also to emphasize Wandy Peralta, like he gets hit in game three, but Wandy's been really good in the ninth inning for us. And he's gotten this uh, high leverage ninth inning uh, a couple times now. He got a couple of save opportunities against the Rays. Now he gets this one. I kind of think he's he's the guy because they like King so much in the like multiple inning role, and that's so valuable. And Clay has been great recently, but obviously his trust isn't where it used to be. I think Wandy right now is the guy. It's unfortunate because we also need him for high leverage situations against lefties, especially with how Ron is pitching right now, which is uh, the other guy they like in lefty situations. But I think 
you can't say enough, and I'm going to say this a bunch of times, you can't say enough about the bullpen. Like, this was a judge and a bullpen win. And judge sort of had the more showy moment, obviously, but the bullpen was awesome. And they were in, like, the worst possible situation. Yeah, no, the bullpen's been phenomenal. And, like, I don't know, I'm just... (sighs) As good as they've been, I, I'm not comfortable without like a, a real closer. I don't know. It might be like my traditional mindset, like whatever. Growing up, you know, the teams that always won had the best closers. So, well, also having Mariano. With, it's yeah, like- exactly. That's what I was gonna say, Mariano. And it's we were kind of spoiled with that. But do you think like it could come back? I mean, and it, don't really count out maybe the deadline getting a pure closer like from one of the struggling teams. I know the Reds who are playing next next series, Alexis Diaz, he's great. Like think like Alex Lang from the Tigers. Some of these like struggling teams that have good closers. Um, do you think that's something that Cashman is gonna do or kind of just roll with this uh revolving door? I'm not sure. I kind of go back and forth on this. I think he does sort of think that having one closer is maybe not a necessity, but I also think he might he might like that. I'm a little bit at a loss of... I guess we have to see where the league shakes out, sort of. Like, would the Reds trade Diaz? I kind of feel like they wouldn't. Yeah, probably not. But, so I guess, you know, it's a little bit early to see where the possible targets would be. Um, and also you have to look into what their contract situations are and yeah but also like sometimes we randomly get someone like i was shocked that we got scott efros who has like three or four years of team control right Uh, we could really use that guy right now um yeah but uh so i guess i'm a like hard maybe there i kind of think it would be helpful and also like this situation where wandy's the only lefty and he's also the most trusted guy in the ninth inning is really unfortunate um yep and you know, Lucas Litke is hurt right now, and he wasn't very good before he was hurt, but it does make my, like, Lucas Litke longing a little bit greater because, <laughs> you know, he's not pitching well for the Braves, or he wasn't, but he pitched well consistently for the Yankees for two years. So maybe there's something about the Braves' approach to pitching or the way that they're calling him or, I don't know, the catchers or something that isn't working for him that would be working if he was in New York. We've seen that... uh for the Yankees and against the Yankees in various ways. So uh, I do wish we had another lefty because I think if we had that one extra lefty, then Wandy would be the closer. And I would actually feel okay with that. I trust yeah. Wandy. I just think you can't do that right now because of like, say you face a huge lefty in the seventh inning, you have to have Wandy right. at your disposal. So um, yep. now do you want to talk quickly about John Schneider being a clown part two? Uh, yeah. where he's like whining him and Pete uh, Weber, I want to say the the um the bowler. Oh, is that the bowler's name? Maybe <laughs> is that I got his name? name. <laughs> I think that is his name. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Has to be Pete something. Uh, uh, I think it's Pete Walker. Pete Weber is the bowler. <laughs> Shout out Pete Weber. Who do you think you are? I am fame. Um, Pete Walker. I'm gonna look it up. Uh, I don't even know who you're talking. The bench coach. No, the I don't even know who you're talking about. Oh, it's Pete Walker. Coach. It's Pete Walker. The Blue Jays <laughs> just like suck. And they're out there complaining about where our uh, our base oh, is yeah. standing. And Pete Walker and uh and Luis Rojas get into it about where Rojas is standing. Nobody stands in the base box. So stupid. It's the dumbest thing in the world. And 
then shortly after <laughs> the Blue Jays third base coach isn't standing in the box either because nobody does. And Aaron Boone starts yelling at the ump like, hey, hey, like you gotta you gotta tell him not to. Like, I don't care at all, but he made a huge fit about this in the first yeah. inning. So tell him to get back in the box. And nobody wants them to stand in the it doesn't matter. Like they're not like creeping into the field of play to look at the uh the grips. It's just like the one pitcher was clearly tipping in a way that the Yankees first base coach Travis Chapman could see, and he was giving judge signs about it. It's not like you have to confine them to a rule that nobody in baseball follows. And John Schneider, I think he was yelling at Brad Wilkerson, who is a member of the Yankees uh of the Yankees coaching staff, uh shut up fat boy or something. Like Yeah. One, John Schneider has like quite possibly the biggest cheeks I've ever seen <laughs> on a human being. <laughs> and you know, like sometimes Sometimes a beard will cover that up. Like John Schneider, full beard, you can still tell he has massive cheeks. Um, <laughs> so I don't know, maybe some projecting there, but yeah. just like he is, and this is what I was saying I would rant about. He is not a legitimate MLB manager. He was the interim manager when they fired Montoya and they happened to do well. It wasn't because of him. They just happened to do well. They probably shouldn't have fired Montoya. It was a weird sort of we're not playing as well as we should we're firing the manager move and now he's the beneficiary of this and he's so in over his head he's a total clown he's throwing around allegations that he can't substantiate he's he's shouting at third base coaches for things that nobody shouts about he's just he he's totally in over his head and he looks like an idiot and Aaron Boone who's lived and breathed baseball since he was a little kid knows he looks like an idiot and that's why it sort of rankles him. Like you could see in some of his post game press conferences, he's just like, he's so like, he can't believe that these are issues that the blue Jays are bringing up. And as if we need like a perfect, uh, a perfect exhibition on what a clown John Schneider is later this week. I, I would have given anything for this to be against the Yankees, but it was the series after John Schneider goes out to uh, have a, a mountain visit with Manoa. It's his second mound visit of the inning, which means you automatically have to take your pitcher out. He doesn't realize this. <laughs> he walks off the mound, and the ump is like, hey, that's your second one. You got to take him out. And it's just like total amateur hour. I mean, that's um, like, yeah, that's coaching 101. I mean, that's like the number one rule you should know. <laughs> this is something I knew in middle school. Yeah. This is like, ugh. So anyway, this all started because they're being stupid about the base coaches. Yeah, um, it's it, the whole thing is very childish. And I mean, that's exactly what it is. It's childish. It's something that I would see in like a youth baseball game where like these coaches are just doing it out of spite, like because to feed their own egos like, oh, he's not in the box. And like, not to mention, it's kind of dangerous. Like most third base coaches aren't in that box because you're right in the next to the field to play and there's not much reaction time if Aaron Judge pulls a foul ball line drive at your face like that's part of the reason too yeah so, you want to back up yeah I mean it's just like it's so dumb and it, it's almost like the Blue Jays are doing it on purpose they are doing it on purpose but like it's not helping their case at all and Boone is never like that but I, I love it that he did that out of spite just like yelling at <laughs> yelling back at them he's obviously not kind of being serious but um 
I don't know. The whole thing is really, really dumb. And I, I it makes me hate the Blue Jays so much. And we have so many like <laughs> rivalries now and the Red Sox aren't even one. It's it's kind of the Astros, Rays, and Blue Jays right now. So uh, I don't know. Yeah. There was a really funny moment where I think Boone called the ump by his full name. Yeah. He was like, James, James, James Hoy. And it's <laughs> Booney is, is funny sometimes. I like Boone. Uh, yeah. But yeah, the Blue Jays, do you think we're going to fight them this year? 100%. I kind of think. I think even more than the Rays now. Yeah. Like that was, I don't know. We haven't had a fight really since uh, 2018 against the Red Sox, like the Tyler Austin. Tyler Austin, yeah. Kelly thing, but I'm here. I for don't know. It. it feels like it. It feels like it's gonna happen. Uh, and I kind of hope it happens. It's kind of fun. Too. Um, just hopefully no one gets hurt. And uh, <laughs> geez, all right. Uh, real quick, Domingo, how mad are you at Domingo? We have to play a man down now. Do you think he sucks? So the weird thing about this is, he was ejected for having the stickiest hand. The umps said the exact same thing they said about Scherzer, so that makes me think like the umps are being told this is what you say in this situation. Domingo said the same thing that Scherzer said, where he said it was just Rosin. So that makes me think the players' union is telling them to say that. I think it's possible it was just Rosin from what we know. Have you ever used Rosin, by the way? No, I haven't. Yeah, me neither. Um, it's like, yeah, it's weird. I, I don't know how it gets sticky. I guess if you mix it with sweat, that's what they say. But this whole thing is. It's freaking annoying, honestly. Yeah, I the thing that bothers me the most is that Domingo's spin rates are not up. Like, the reason that we tried to legislate this out of the game was because of these pitchers who were creating these unnatural spin rates with things like spider tack and other substances. And if what's happening is Domingo is using an excess of rosin for grip purposes that aren't impacting his spin rates then it's just stupid like yeah. why are we why are we making such a big deal out of this now if which is i guess possible like maybe he's he's always used like some kind of substance so his entire catalog of spin rates is is kind of um is kind of altered yeah yeah then that's another thing so we'll have to see what happens in his next start if his spin rates are like 200 300 rpm down then that's that's a real problem. But if it's literally just and this thing we talked about it with Ryan a few weeks ago, like that rosin is legal, but an excess of rosin isn't legal. But there's no way to measure rosin apart from how you feel. Like it's just that it's stupid. It's really, it really yeah, it really is. I mean, like a lot of the rule changes have been good for baseball, but this seems like a force, and it's just. It's becoming a clown show. Like it's very subjective too. It's it's one umpire. It's he says he says it's the stickiest he's ever seen, and then the other guy, it's same hand. He's like, all right, you're good. So I don't know. It's it seems like a little bit of a farce, and I'm just kind of annoyed by it at this point. And it's gonna keep happening too, like around the league. Um, hopefully it's not. They they just have to figure out. I don't know if it's like a, a legal substance that maybe has minimal effect that all the pitchers are allowed to use that feel comfortable or I don't know. I, I mean, I don't get paid. I kind of think they have to change the balls. Yeah. Make like the balls. they have to have less because everyone talks about how slick the balls are. Right. And the reason that they need rosin or they need some kind of grip is because the balls are like a cue ball. It's, it's yeah. hard to grip. 
they have to just like change the ball so they're not like that. And they apparently have like more tacky balls in Japan and stuff. Right. It's, just, it's, yeah. it's stupid. And come on, Manfred, do come something. Come on, Manfred. He's gotten so much good press about the new rules and the stolen yeah. bases, and we got to give him some bad press for how stupid this this uh, rosin versus substance. It's just yeah, so dumb. it's dumb. All right, well, the other things to come out of this, apart from the Hamilton injury, he'll be out for I think four weeks. Really unfortunate, uh, but you know, hopefully, it's not an arm thing. So hopefully, he'll come back and be around where he was. I'm a little concerned about this because he was in such a good place. And, you know, he's someone who doesn't have a ton of MLB experience. So, you know, you never know how he'll come back. But fingers crossing as it's uh, not an arm thing. But the other thing is Jose Trevino hurt. Uh, He's on the 10-day. Hopefully that won't be too long. But this obviously opens up the door for our good friend and the very real Ben Rorfett. Uh, I was shocked when it just felt like something that might never happen that Rorfett would be caught up. What was your reaction? Oh, utter, utter shock. I was floored. I didn't even, like, I didn't know what he looked like. I genuinely didn't. I think they cut to, like, a dugout shot with Judge, like, around, with his arm around him. And I was like, who the hell is that? And then they <laughs> talked about Rorfett. I was like, what? So that was, that was so funny because it was during the review of <laughs> his, like, his double that was maybe a home run but wasn't a home run. And I had the same reaction. And Judge is so big. That Rortvet kind of looked like a bat boy or something, like <laughs> someone who was, who was like paying to get a picture with Judge at like a meet and greet. The way he was like, he put his arm around. It was very weird. It was a weird looking shot. Um, it was like very like, I like make a wish. Yeah, make a wishy. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I'm excited for him, and and it's funny because we talked about this a few weeks ago in the chat about Rortvet's kind of hitting in the minors. Is he gonna? make the roster this year. We both said we didn't think so. And I still think he probably wouldn't have without this injury, but it'll be interesting. I think it's most likely unless he hits pretty much exactly how he hit in that one Reds game that he's up and down in uh, the, uh, uh, in the brief time that Trevi is hurt. And apart from that, he'll kind of just play if we need a, uh, a, third catcher for some kind of injury reason and then i think maybe next year he plays in but do you think he has a role on this team uh sort of beyond that no no i think it's some similar to what we said i think a few episodes ago but like barring injury i think it's trevi and higgy and um but rorvetti he did show he's got a nice swing he can move a little bit he's been no issues behind the plate yet so uh i think it's a it's a good little filler um it's nice to have three major league catchers so it's a good problem to have the other thing is i kind of think especially a catcher it's important that you're um you're with it you have like a rapport with the staff you have experience you know all the signs or whatever and i think maybe he wasn't able to fully develop that stuff um for this year so i kind of think he's still not really a part of this team without an injury but we'll see um all right, so this will be quick. We have a Cole versus Bassett pitchers duel. Cole was really good. Chris Bassett was even better. Neither gave up a run. Cole went six. Bassett went seven. Uh, there was some weird bad fielding early on where Waldo had an error and then Cole had an error, uh, but he pitched around that. And then there was some weird bad fielding late from Volpe. We'll talk about that. Also, 
sort of in that Glaber category where we've seen it before, but it's kind of rearing its ugly head right now. Um, he's made some nice plays, but he's also made some real tough ones. Uh, not like he's made tough plays like, ooh, it's a tough play for Volpe. Uh, and then we lose on a walk-off from Yankee killer Danny Jansen, 3-0 loss. Uh, do you have anything to – the funny thing is like, this, I think, is a game that we really kind of get into in a bad patch. But if the Yankees are playing well, this is just like, you know, Chris Bassett's a good pitcher. We didn't find it. So, right. You know. Yeah, no. Uh, Cole pitched great. Um, don't want to overlook it just because of the loss. He was phenomenal. And, yeah, you mentioned Danny Jansen. I, the second I saw him in the on-deck circle, I knew it, he's just – he's the worst. I hate that dude. Um, but – other than that, I mean, you you have uh three hits in ten innings. You're not going to win many games like that. The Blue Jays did ten. They probably deserve to win. So whatever, chalk it up to the game. It's it's a tough tough one, but uh no, I'm looking at the box score. There's really not nothing else to talk about. It was, it was lack so little in the box score. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah, the Danny Jansen thing is weird because he's actually he's not a very good MLB. No, he's horrible. It's not like uh, you, some people are like they're good, but they're better against the Yankees. He's like, he's not good. <laughs> yeah. um, his name, I feel like he's like the lead character of like an animated TV show. Yeah, and he is the Rex like, Mex. Yeah. Hey, I'm Danny Jansen. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, you know, I guess it's nice for him that he has a calling card. I wish it was. Sure. But all right. Yeah, let's move on. And that was my, that was, uh, on my birthday too. That wasn't a good present. Oh, that was on your birthday. <laughs> Happy late birthday, but that <laughs> yeah, that was rough. That really sucks. All right. Well, game forward. The other thing is losing a cold start is always bad, but losing a cold start where he goes six scoreless is like even worse. It's like salt yeah. wound. Yeah. Um, and especially it goes to extras. It just, you know. Yep. All right, game four. Uh, this was a 4-2 win. This is great. Nestor Cortez, a couple of bad starts. We talked about it last week when you weren't here that this is kind of the worst start or the worst stretch that we've seen from starter Nestor. Um, so seeing him against a good lineup here and have like a really solid game uh, was really nice. Aaron Judge, another home run. He's just so good. He's so, so good. Uh, and then later he had an almost home run. Um, so judge is just absolutely crushing it. Um, literally and figuratively, I guess, uh, (laughs) the other kind of sub headline from this game was Hicks had a really nice game. And, you know, I feel like sometimes we were throwing Hicks a bone just to be like, Hey, Hicks got a hit, you know, or when Hicks had that home run, it was like, Oh, he, he finally hit a home run for the first time since like last September or, you know, his first extra base hit. But this was a genuinely, he had a nice game. He had a three-hit game. He had an RBI, a clutch RBI. I think it was a two-out RBI, actually. Um, and then Volpe had a really impressive, like, laser um, home run off Nate Pearson. Late in the game, he just, like, turned on one. And it was, like, maybe the most impressive, like, just strictly in terms of the hitting skills of it that I've uh, – the most impressive at-bat I've seen from Volpe. Uh, and it was a nice insurance run there. It was 3-2 at the time. Made a 4-2. Uh, beyond Nestor, like he threw the six good innings and then things got a little bit dicey. Uh, 
and Ryan Weber comes in once again. Uh, he lets on a couple of base runners this time, but he he keeps things close. Uh, he I think allows one of Nestor's insurance or uh, of Nestor's inherited runs, but then he uh, he gets Vladdy to oh the first one I'm sorry the first one was uh, fly out no run the second one Vladdy comes up bases loaded. And he gets Vladdy to fly out for a sack fly. Which yeah, I was, was terrified in that. And then, um, and then he gets the third out as well. Like Ryan Weber, another like really gutsy performance. Abreu and Marinaccio finished the job, each really solid. I don't know this bullpen, man. Like, would I say that I want Weber, Abreu, Marinaccio with the game on the line? against a divisional opponent probably not on paper but like credit to them for doing it yeah for sure no the, the bullpen's been nails we keep saying it but it's awesome to see and and uh it's great to see Nestor get back on track here give you six strong innings um Volpe you mentioned the homer was phenomenal and and Hicks I wonder if uh, when when he went three for four in this game I I thought about like maybe uh I don't know if I don't know how this works, but maybe they told him prior that he was going to get DFA'd, so it's kind of just like pressures off, and maybe that's why he he started to hit like in the coming days before he got DFA'd. That's just a a, a uh, theory of mine, but it was good to see him. He seemed pretty happy, confident, stroking he the ball. Happy, he, like... he did. Yeah, that's why. Also, in the back of my mind, it's maybe like kind of the weight off his shoulders. He just knows that he's getting DFA'd, so whatever. I'll just kind of going there guns a blazing but um no this was a really uplifting game hits all around Aaron Judge pretty good baseball and the the bullpen nails as always yeah Judge is pretty good at baseball um yeah, it's decent real quick though about the bullpen and and I guess Ryan Weber in particular uh well also a brave this was kind of like this um this corner the Yankees had worked themselves into because of their usage of the bullpen in the first three games. So I think these were the guys, no matter what. And when you bring in Weber, I think in that situation, and Weber is earning some trust and certainly some respect from us, I think, as a fan base. And I think, though, at the same time, if you bring in Weber in that situation, you're maybe not going all in on winning this series. And when you bring in Abreu next even though Weber did the job, you're also like, it's not putting your best foot forward because there's a, a school of thinking like, bring in Ron in that situation. He's the more trusted arm, even though he hasn't been great recently, but he's like, he's the more trusted arm. Then if your offense can grab a few more runs, it's a more low stakes environment for an Abreu or a Weber, right? That's not what we do. We throw Weber into the fire and then we throw Abreu near the fire. Weber comes out of the fire great. Abreu is fine as well. Great, actually. He he looked really good. Um, and then Aaron Boone had this look on his face when uh Ron got the last out in a really easy inning. He just looked so like so delighted. Yeah. This was like the most happy I've seen Boone after like a normal series win in a long time. And some of it is the controversy and the fact that John Schneider's a clown, but also some of it is that they were able to cut corners with the bullpen in a way that is agonizing to watch, but it worked. Like, the Webbers and the Abreus came through, and 
it sort of it's that thing of like they're resting DJ and Bader and they still win the game. That's what they did in the bullpen here. Like they rested right. the bullpen DJ and the bullpen Bader and they still won the game. Yeah, it's like they're it's like they're stealing the game and it's uh it's good to see. And you're right that Boone uh I guess emote was kind of interesting. Mm. I've never seen him like that for like just a normal uh May series, but it was it was funny. You could see kind of the I think it definitely had to do with the controversy too. Um, but yeah, no, this was a fun series, very uh, entertaining, a lot going on, a lot to talk about. Um, but then, as we move on to the Reds, it was a little bit less uh, less fireworks. Yeah, less to talk about, but still a uh, still a game or a series with some good stuff. That first uh, first game was a six two win. Uh, Clark Schmidt. Really one of his best starts of the season, I think. Um, yeah. He's had a couple of solid ones. I think he's vaulted himself ahead of Johnny Brito. The organization clearly agreed they sent down Brito um, for Seve. But uh, this was, and, you know, you'd like to see it against some some good teams. He's been primarily good now against the Reds and the A's, which is, you know, not great. But, <laughs> you know, this was a good, a good start. And uh, he... He was able to get through a couple of innings that you wouldn't usually see. I think it was six from him in this game. Uh, I don't have the box score up anymore right now. But five, five. Okay. Um, maybe he pitched into the six. There was yeah, he pitched into the six. I think right. And Jimmy Cordero came in. Uh, he got into a little bit of a jam there, Cordero, but he got out of it. He was really pumped up, which you love to see. Abreu, again, scoreless, no hits. Wandy, again, scoreless, no hits. We have a little bit of a lead. We throw in Nick Ramirez, scoreless, no hits. That's just lovely, lovely stuff. Uh, And then Judge hit a home run early because he does that. Rizzo hits a home run in, I think, the fifth. Let me see. Sixth. Sorry. Rizzo, home run in the sixth. He's been awesome. We haven't really talked about Rizzo, but Rizzo has been really, really good this year. Yeah. Uh, we'll get to our confidence ratings in a second, but Rizzo has been awesome. And then I want to talk a little bit about Higgy. Higgy had a really tough at bat in, I believe, the seventh, where we had runners on. I think it was a runner on third. Maybe there was another runner as well, but Higgy, up with one out, has one of the worst at bats I've ever seen him have. He, <laughs> he's uh, He's a swing and miss guy, as we talked about, but this was expanding the zone he took a really bad swing on strike three and then higgy gets angrier than i've ever seen him like higgy who's always like very calm and and composed he doesn't really let things get to him uh he kind of lost it he he had a little sort of apollo neal moment and he was like throwing his bat hitting the back hitting the bat rack he was he was unhappy with himself comes up in the ninth in a big situation with two runners on and I believe two outs too and he comes through he hits a RBI double in the left field great moment for him and uh it just it made me really happy for him Bader tacks on one as well so that kind of gave them the room to go to um uh what's his name um Ramirez and I think otherwise they probably use Clay Holmes there and that's already sort of a uh you know, not as comfortable as it's, as it used to be, but you know, the luxury of, of 
holding that high leverage card for later, especially when the bullpen is so tasked because we've been talking about it. The bullpen is throwing a ton of innings recently. That was a huge, huge at bad from Higgy, and I think huge for his confidence. Yeah, that was weird to see him snap like that. I, it was like when like what it's just a normal at bat everyone has bad at bats but like guys like that when just something snaps and you just but it, it clearly worked something in his head just flipped so that was good to see um judge what else it's like it's really getting out of controls every day it's it's becoming uh i don't know we're spoiled but and we're kind of just counting on him to keep hitting and i think he will so um yeah, nothing, nothing more to say. The, the bullpen, it's really like all these games are the same. It's just a judge home run, a couple of guys hitting here and there, and the bullpen gives you like four scoreless, which is definitely not complaining. Yeah, the other, um, the other thing about this game is this is Aaron Hicks's last game as a New York Yankee, um, unless he accepts assignment. I don't see that happening, but um, Hicks was DFA'd after this game. His last game, he went 0 for 2, got pinch hit with runners on by LeMahieu. Uh, do you want to like say anything about Hicks's career as a Yankee? It's kind of weird because he had some really nice moments. He was he was good for a couple years. He was fine slash mediocre for a couple years, and then he was really bad for a couple years. And I think the contract and the fact that he kept getting real sort of run out there really colored how he was viewed. And certainly, we wanted him gone and i think long run this is a great thing but you know there is some nuance how do you assess the the career of aaron hicks as a yankee yeah no i think you put it pretty well um it was it is all because of the contract if this guy was uh getting like a minimum pay if he was just like kind of got him off the scrap heap we'd be we'd be perfectly fine with him coming off the bench every once in a while being the fourth outfielder um because he does have other tools he's I mean, prior to something that happened, he was a good fielder and he, he was pretty fast on the base uh, the base pass. So like he brought a lot to the table and I think it's it's just, a, it was a bad decision to give him that contract, but it happens. Cashman has so many of these diamond in the rough guys that, I mean, it, it can balance out. Um, but overall, rough ending. I, I, do, I do really feel bad for him because he does seem like a nice guy. And uh, I don't know, I think... Do you think he'll how does DFA work? They they can get picked up by another team or so we have a uh a time period here where we can trade him. Right. And I would guess that will probably happen with Hicks. I think someone will throw us like a random prospect or something for Hicks. Yeah. Um it's not a sure thing though. I could see <laughs> Hicks uh not being worth a prospect or you know, we'll see. Uh, then he either accepts assignment, I guess, or he goes to waivers. I don't think he's going to accept assignment. He seemed very unhappy in New York, even though he's a longtime Yankee. And, you know, he said, he said in media later, like, these are some of the best years of my career or the best years of my career were here. He's longest tenured Yankee, I think maybe with the exception of Severino. Um, hmm. And, uh, you know, that's a significant thing, but he, this was not working and it, <laughs> you know, it wasn't working for him. It wasn't working for us. Um, So he probably won't accept, 
he probably won't accept assignment, which means he goes to waivers. Uh, and we'll see who picks him up. I think uh, he'll probably be playing Major League Baseball for someone this year. Yeah. I think he probably won't be like a Joey Gallo. And Joey Gallo, the extent to how good he's been has been sort of overhyped by forces that I'm not going <laughs> to... I'm not going to call out here, but you know, he's, he's clearly better than he was in New York. I don't know how much better Hicks will be, but I do think, uh, he'll be a major league player for a couple more years. It's also possible he could be a Gary Sanchez type thing where he's just sort of, I mean, happy for Gary that he's on the Mets now he's back in the majors, but, uh, you know, someone the Yankees held on to for a while value plummeted and sort of never really found it the same way again. Uh, Favorite Aaron Hicks moment? What would you say? There's a couple Ooh. of really good ones, actually. Huh, that's a good one. Um, you give yours. I gotta think. So the here, I'll give you an assist here with yeah three, and you can choose one. I'll choose one as well. Perfect. The three that jump out. One is uh, he hit a walk off against the Astros last June, or not a walk off. Actually, four. Four Aaron Hicks moments. Here we go. He hit a game-tying home run off Presley at the stadium in a series that we won, and I don't remember how we won this game. I think it might have been a judge walk-off, but uh, he hit a game-tying home run off Presley that was huge. I think it was a three-run home run. It was it was really cool. Similar to that, in 2020, in the COVID year, empty Yankee Stadium – Yankees go on a weird rally with like a Luke Voigt shift beating single. Gio was involved. Tyro Estrada was involved. He made like a bad mistake on the base pass, but it paid off because the Mets were just like so thrown that he was going to third and then they threw it to third and it was mishand. The point is like all kinds of weird shit happened. The Yankees were down, I think, four or five in the seventh, seventh being the ninth because it was the uh, two games. Uh, thing so seven inning double hitter in the seventh all this weird stuff happens hicks comes in hits a hits a game tying home run off edwin diaz like very very bizarre to say right now but um that was very cool and then the two most iconic ones i think hicks uh in game five of the alcs hits a awesome home run right off the pole in the first inning versus Verlander to make it 4-1. Yes. Uh, that was an iconic moment. I was actually there <laughs> in the stadium for it. It was sick. Uh, and then the other one is the game in Minnesota. He he hits the, uh, the home run in that game to force it to extras, and then he makes the game-winning catch, iconic catch, great Ryan Rucco call, and uh, that's against the team that uh, traded him to New York, obviously. So... Those are my top four. I'm going to say because I was there, because it's one of my favorite in-person moments that I've had at the stadium, uh, the Hicks home run off the pole was my favorite. Yeah, I'm going to take that that Twins game just because I feel like we talk about that game all the time. It was just such a bizarre game for whatever reason. And that yeah, you're right. That Ruka call is, is iconic. Um, but now that you say that, he, he didn't have too many highlights. Uh for as long as he spent here. I mean, if we're talking about a, a seventh inning home run off Edwin Diaz in the COVID season, then that just proves that he's uh, 
That's a good highlight. It's just it's <laughs> it's he <laughs> he uh so Gruber got mad at me a few weeks ago when I said this. Like he he plays a boring brand of baseball. Yeah. Like yeah. Hicks is not and he he for sure had his moments, but like Hicks is doing a lot of walking. Hicks is not doing a lot of like hitting, really. And that's I think why some fans kind of turned on him before the numbers said to, and then when the numbers said to, it got even uglier. Like yeah. yeah. And also I think the confidence thing and the way the fans were really hurt him in the field. For sure. Gotta be it because otherwise his body just his body and his mind just quit on him and that's Yeah. And and there is an art to like walking. It seems like very I don't know, it seems simple <laughs> and like it seems like oh anybody can just get up there and walk. But no, it's it is hard to do and he did it very well. I mean, to the point where like there were those weird boon quotes at the beginning of the season where they were just like kind of counting on him to walk. And that was the only time they wanted him in the batter's box. So, um, I don't know. No, I, I I'll say it again. I really do like Aaron Hicks and, um, he, he had a tough, tough ending, but I do wish him the best. And I think he definitely, uh, is serviceable. And I think he will, will, uh, contribute to an MLB team for sure, uh, down the road. The other thing is for the Hicks, um, from a Hicks angle, it's really good for him that this happened after he had that little heater, because otherwise he's he's out there. I mean his his OPS plus is still probably really bad, but like he was he was in like the sub thirty sub twenties. He was in the negatives for a stretch. Like this is, I think it'll be pretty pretty easy for him to find a job. Uh, I mean, especially if he's willing to take a miners deal and work his way, but I don't think he'll even need to do that. Like the fact yeah. that he was able to hit some balls at a major league level before getting DFA is good for him. Uh, weird that for me that it happened mid series on the road. I don't know why. I just feel like veteran, one of the longest tenured players on your team, you probably, you DFA him at home or you yeah. DFA him after the series. Like, is he, the Yankees probably pay for a flight from Cincinnati to New York for him because he's not traveling with the team. Like, just a weird, tough. Yeah, the timing was Cincinnati. weird. Yeah, and also for Greg Allen, very yeah. uh, our <laughs> our old friend. I I wanted Hicks not on this roster anymore, but I don't think there was a single uh, situation in my head where it was for a <laughs> Greg Allen or a Greg Allen type. Especially from the Red Sox, that was that was just bizarre. <laughs> yeah the the Yankee career of Aaron Hicks ended when we traded a minor leaguer for Greg Allen from the Red Sox. <laughs> yeah. Uh it's... do you have anything to say about Greg Allen? No, uh, not much. He's he brings the speed, but that's uh, pretty much the extent of it. I think both of us kind of missed the game today, but we <laughs> before we recorded we. Uh, <laughs> We just peeped that he hit a triple, so that was that was fun. And Happy we watched the highlight. It was it was a very nicely hit ball. So shout out Greg Allen. I don't know if he has a, a long stay in the majors. Um Yeah, that's probably. what I was gonna ask. Do you think he's part of this team going forward or do you think it's, it's I a... don't, which is why it's even weirder that like they kind of rushed this whole move. They're like, Oh, we have to get Greg Allen, send Hicks down. But um no, I think once I guess Stan and definitely once not like there's so many uh players that they'd rather have that we'd rather have uh than Greg Allen so i don't know if he's here to stay <clears throat> i'm going to 
this might surprise you. I'm not so sure about that. I really? Think, I think Greg Allen could stick around. And here's here's what's behind that. One, they did make this move where they they DFA'd someone they have clearly been putting yeah. on DFAing. Um, and Greg Allen was the straw that broke the camel's back. So that's something, I think. The other thing is, like, Greg Allen is not, like, a great major league hitter, obviously. But he is a major league player. He is somebody who, like... So there was an episode a few weeks ago where I said the problem with the Yankees bench is they don't have like the toolsy guys you want on a bench. You want a Tim LaCastro speed. You want an Oswaldo Cabrera, lots of versatility. You want a Matt Carpenter, some power for a situation against the right pitcher late in the game. Greg Allen fits that. He's like, he can play all three outfield positions. He can run. He's like, he provides use off the bench. And he's, this is something that, uh, that Aaron Boone said, like he's way, um, he fits the role way, way better than Hicks does of that kind of outfielder. So you think they'll keep him over Willie Calhoun or something? Yeah, I think so. And when Stanton comes back, you know, Willie Calhoun can't really play the field. So that's sort of tough for him. And then Jake Bowers, I think it depends how, how Jake Bowers is hitting, but if Jake Bowers is really hitting, he'll stay on the team. If he's not really hitting, I think Greg Allen probably stays on the team over him. And then, you know, we'll see. Josh Donaldson, it's so, it really doesn't matter, but he, he sliced up his thumb, and the <laughs> phrase was he's putting something together in his home. Yeah, like, for his daughter or something. <laughs> <laughs> pretty, uh, I I mentioned this last week to Gruber, like maybe something will just keep happening to Josh Donaldson. <laughs> like, I don't... I don't want him back. I really don't want him to hit fifth again. And the Yankees are playing well. Like, allow Josh Donaldson to put together as many things for his daughter in the home as she wants. Like, and maybe yeah. like exactly what sending, are they, like putting together like a chainsaw or something. Like, how does that I even mean, happen? <laughs> like, putting together something in the home. Picture like, like a like a dollhouse or doll something, house? and it's like plastic. <laughs> like maybe cooking, but that's not putting. Like a knife set? I don't know. Yeah, we need um, more details. Yeah. Hopefully hopefully someone asks Josh about yeah, that. Yeah, or like when his autobiography comes out one day, he'll talk about this. We'll talk about the famous putting something together in the home incident of yeah. 2023. Uh, the other thing is the Yankees really valued Greg Allen in 2021. I don't know if you remember this, but I do, even though I, uh, I, <laughs> I was at Greylock at the time, so I wasn't watching every game, but it was very weird. They called Greg Allen up. He played for like, I don't know, three weeks, four weeks or something. But he was always there on weird terms because he, he didn't have options. But they had weird COVID things about the way you could send up and call down, send up, call down, call up and send down. Um, so they were able to send Greg Allen down without um, losing him. So they they had no options, but they sent him down without making him accept assignment. And then they didn't call him up, even though they could have used him. And they held on to him all season until the playoffs. And then in the playoffs, they activated Greg Allen. So Greg Allen was a part of the 2021 Yankee playoff roster. That yeah, I do remember in the playoffs, game. but I don't remember in, the, in during the season, and that's why. <laughs> they just went to like really weird lengths to make sure he was available to them in the playoffs, even though it meant sacrificing him for the rest of the regular season. And he played this like one 
three week stint in August and he was good. Um, he wasn't amazing, but he was good. He like, he plays his role well. So I think they're actually very high on Greg Allen and high on Greg Allen as this guy. I don't think he's the left fielder going forward, but I think, I don't know. I wouldn't be shocked if he's a part of this team for a second here. Um, yeah. All right. That was a long Hicks and Greg Allen conversation. <laughs> Let's quickly game two, seven, four win. Johnny Brito was not great. Uh, standard start again, but the bullpen was incredible. Ron, Michael King, Clay Holmes, and Ryan Weber with the save combined for one hit over six innings, I believe. Like, or seven innings, maybe. Hold on. One, two, three, four, five, six. Sorry, six innings. Um, I mean, that's really awesome stuff. Ron and King each went to web dog gets the save, uh, which, you know, really cool for a guy like that to get a save on a, uh, you know, a real contending team, which the Yankees are They're eight games above 500, not in last place. So the jokes can stop. And then this is also the, uh, the Rort vet game, two hits, including a double IKF, another home run. Judge, like, he went four for four. I just, he also, (laughs) he had an RBI double to kind of get us on the board. And then late in the game, he hit the uh, the go-ahead single in the 10th. Again, shout out Greg Allen. He came in, he, I was watching an interview with him. He said he arrived in like the second or third inning, and then he pinch ran (laughs) that same game. He, great job advancing on the, on the fly out by Glaber scores on the judge single Rizzo hits a home run. Weber gets the save. Everyone's feeling good. This is just a great game. The, um, Oh, sorry. I, I screwed up the games, but, um, six hits in the fifth inning, six hits, really, really fun stuff. Uh, hmm. judge three RBIs, Rizzo three RBIs thoughts on this game. Um, super fun and great all around six RBIs from your two and three hitters. It's pretty ideal. Um, this was, yeah, you mentioned Johnny Brito. He, he looked decent and then he kind of hit a wall in like the fourth inning. He was getting a lot of strikeouts. He only had 84 pitches. Um, but then, yeah, there's no way you can even criticize Boone for taking him out because the bullpen was so freaking good. Um, yeah, I mean, you you mentioned everything. It was fun game all around. the the uh, The tenth inning, I yeah, we keep saying it, but the the rules are dumb. But we luckily so took advantage of it this time. It didn't come back to bite us. But Greg Allen was, will be very good for these situations, though. Yeah, that is true, and that is funny that he he got to the game the second inning. It's like a like a t ball. He's like, oh, I had a doctor's appointment. He just got here and just put him in on second base um so that was funny and then yeah i mean similarly to when yankees got so out hit by the blue jays in that in that extras game and the blue jays ended up pulling it out in the 10th inning this is kind of the same thing yankees 13 hits i think they deserve to win the game and they ultimately did in extras so talk about obviously next game completing the sweep but it like we said it's just it's so crucial to beat up on these bad teams uh, and this was kind of a game that i felt a little iffy about with brito at the beginning um i thought it was kind of getting gonna get away from us 
when the Reds went up four uh, one in the fourth. But you mentioned that the big fifth inning was was crucial. So uh, no, good game all around. And like I said, it's it's really fun to beat up on these teams. I wish we could play the the A's and the Reds every every series. Yeah, the uh, that fifth inning was so cool, and yeah. it would have been better. But there was a questionable send where. They sent Judge. That was awful. Would the, he would have been the go-ahead run. It was not a good send. And obviously, looking back on it, um, it's even worse because then I believe DJ and Bader are both single. So, yeah, you know, the run would have got home. Uh, fallacy of the predetermined outcome. But uh, this was fun. It was cool to see Rortvet and see him hit. Uh, he was talking about how he hadn't uh, caught Clay Holmes ever, so that's probably an experience. He uh, he said he was, quote, as advertised, <laughs> which I think means he's really good but hard to catch. Um, and, you know, this this bullpen, you really cannot say it enough. Uh, outstanding. Are you worried about, like, how much they're being used? A little bit, yeah. yeah I was going to I was gonna mention that. They because this happened a little bit last season where we were relying on them a lot. And then just like all at once, everyone just kind of gets burnt, burned out. But I don't know. They have been like balancing a lot, like, like that game that they stole where you throw in a Brayu and then kind of the lower, lower tier guys to give these guys breaks. But then it's ever like if Johnny Brito and Clark Schmidt are going to give you four innings, every outing, it, it, you can't, there's nothing else you could do. And, They've been really good, but I'm kind of waiting for the other shoe to drop. I don't want it to happen, but um, you're just kind of holding your breath. But right now, the thing with Sevy, he's probably not like true. he's probably not a six, seven inning guy. Yeah, they're gonna have to build him up a little bit. Here, so. I don't know, but right now they they are so fun to watch. It's like I'm so confident with every single reliever. Honestly, it's there's no one that's uh, really blown up so far. So. Keep your fingers crossed and uh and keep knocking on wood. Yeah. Um I feel similar. I think uh I said before this season that this is the worst bullpen the Yankees have had in a second. On paper, it still looks that way from the names, but if you look at how they're performing, I mean it's a lot of guys who are overachieving. And you know, maybe they'll keep overachieving. I think the more overworked they are, the the more nervous I get, but Huge credit to Jimmy Cordero. Uh, he's been awesome. You know, Hamilton's hurt now, but huge credit to him. Wandy has been what he was for us last year, and that's massive. Clay Holmes is stabilized. King has been awesome. Ron has had his struggles, but also he's been, uh, he's, I think, on the right track right now. So, you know, it's a good bull. Yeah. Weber. And shout out to Matt Blake. I feel like, shout uh, out to Matt Blake. yeah, I feel like. They kind of get criticized a lot, pitching coaches, um, mostly with like starters and when like their, you know, pitchers aren't doing well. But when the bullpen like this is just firing on all cylinders, these kind of guys you wouldn't expect are overachieving. Like you said, there's definitely something to be said for the pitching coach. So Matt Blake, you're doing a hell of a job. We love you, Matt Blake. <laughs> all right. Next game, as you mentioned, neither of us actually caught this game uh, for various reasons, but it was a good one. 4-1 win. Sevy is back, and Sevy was good. Um, four and two-thirds, four hits, one earned run, five Ks. You love to see that. Uh, and then 
unsurprisingly, the bullpen was scoreless for the uh, the other four and a third. Abreu to Cordero to Peralta to Holmes. Uh, none of those guys except for Clay gave up hits. And hitting-wise, we started slow. We actually, the only run that was given up was Seve, and it was sort of under a controversial circumstance where Jake Bowers was trying to make a play near the foul line. He he touched it with his glove, but he didn't make the catch, and it was called foul on the field. It was reviewed, and it, it was actually a fair ball, but they allowed the runner to advance from first and score, even though it was uh, called foul on the field, and that sort of influenced how he, he reacted after not catching the ball. So... Boone got ejected. I haven't watched the full ejection yet, but I'm excited for that. I love a good Boone ejection. And it seems like this is a pretty legit gripe. It's not worth getting too bent out of shape about now, especially having won the game, but certainly a weird circumstance. And then the bats woke up. Uh, Harrison Bader, two-run homer in the fifth. Glaber got on the board, homer for Glaber. And then you mentioned the Greg Allen uh, triple. He scored on a Volpe double. Some nice hitting from the boys. Uh, the takeaway for me, though, has got to be Seve looking good. Uh, this is what you want. And I think for all of us, I'll speak for Gruber, too. Like, Seve holds kind of a special place in our heart. He's like, he was supposed to be the ace of the of the Baby Bombers, and it didn't quite play out that way, but he's still a really good starting pitcher. And, you know, this is probably our last year with Seve, unfortunately, because I can't picture us giving him the money that uh, – that, he'll probably want given his injury history, but also he has a chance to have a huge impact on this, uh, on this game and for him to come back and, and, you know, have a pretty sharp outing is huge. Yeah. It's so nice to have him back. It kind of just makes everything fall into place. And then especially when Rodon comes back, it's going to be, it's going to be a really exciting rotation and I, I can't wait, but um, this game, it's good to see uh, Glaber get back. I feel like he's been a little quiet recently, so that homer was nice. Bader's been just rock solid. And then the bullpen, what, what more can we say? I mean, it's going to have to be in the title probably, the bullpen uh, carrying us to victory. So nothing much else here. I, I was upset that I didn't get to watch this game because I was looking forward to seeing Hunter Green. He's really good prospect. Uh, apparently he pitched really well, 10 strikeouts. He went seven. So I'm going to watch the, the, uh, the replays. Um, but yeah, much needed sweep and the Yankees are rolling. The other thing about, uh, this game, obviously Harrison Bader with a go ahead Homer. And we are talking a little bit about Harrison Bader and what he's done for this team. He's been such an infusion of energy, but also, uh, his offensive production has been really impressive. And this is kind of the Bader that we got in the playoffs last year. And it's lasted for longer than I think anyone would have expected. And maybe, I don't think he's a 300 hitter. He's a 25 homer guy, but like maybe he's closer to that than we maybe thought. Yeah, I hope so. And he's kind of proven a lot of people were skeptical last postseason. Like when the Yankees fans were saying, Oh, we're missing Bader. People are like, yeah, that was whatever. That was kind of an anomaly, but he's he's keeping uh up that trend. And we were talking about a little bit prior to recording, but it could be an approach thing. It could be um like a launch angle because it does seem like he's hitting a lot more fly balls, which is always good now in the analytics uh 
wave now. Um, but no, Bader's been a, a great spark. And I think him and Judge in the outfield is just like, it's so nice. He, he, we don't talk about his defense enough. Bader's phenomenal in center. He had a tremendous catch in the Jays series. Uh, yeah. He has like a tremendous catch every week, pretty much. And yeah. he has a, a very aesthetically pleasing brand of center field that he plays. It's very like he's so focused on like mo- he moves so gracefully. He's like a yeah, he's like a cheetah or n- he's like a gazelle. He like, yeah, he, I don't know what the word is. He like he I can't find the verb. He kind of just know, like, yeah. glides. It's 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 very impressive. Um, and also for me seeing that Glaber hit a home run, just he's such a confidence oriented player. It just, that's something that you like to see if, um, if Glaber is hot, then I just, I feel like it's, it's great for the vibes on the team. Yeah, absolutely. So hold on one second. I'm figuring something out. Um, how many, uh, so I think a huge theme of this episode has been how great the bullpen is. Like this is sort of not human what they have done this week, especially. Um, What, like, (laughs) the bullpen is done. So they have made uh, 23. Okay. If I'm counting right, they have made 27 appearances. So 27 guys have pitched out of the Yankee bullpen. How many of them do you think have given up runs in those appearances? So that's not the innings. It's like if King comes in and he pitches two, that's one appearance. How many earned run appearances have the Yankee relief pitchers made in the last week? Okay, 27. 27 appearances. I'll say six. Three. Wow. Wow. And I should say, I'm not counting Johnny Brito as out of the bullpen. I'm counting him as a starter. Right. That uh, is unbelievable. Three. That's like the bullpen is here and uh, they're pitching more than the starters, but uh, the they're dominant. They're really, really dominant. I don't know how much of that is sustainable, but, you know, certainly sustainable for a week, I guess. And, uh, yeah. We'll see. I do trust. It's like you said. I trust a lot of those guys, and uh, and you know, the more they pitch in these situations, the more they earn trust, and the more uh, and the more likely I think it is that uh, they're comfortable in those situations going forward. So yeah, that's true. I just hope they don't get burned out. <laughs> yeah, that is that is the fear. But uh, while we're sort of in this uh, weird situation where the starters are only throwing four innings because uh of various reasons either clark is mostly a four or five inning guy or Sevy's coming back from injury having this from the bullpen is huge and then hopefully as the starters start going a little deeper into games we won't need that anymore absolutely all right let's do hitter confidence index yes. real quick um no gruber so that's more uh, pressure on each of us to make <laughs> good assessments on the hitters it's true and then we have a quick feature that we're going to do after, a new feature, uh, which I'll explain then, I guess. Aaron Judge, what you got? 10, ten like, out of 10. This is the most confident I've been in, in, yeah. in a while. And that says a lot. He had 62 homers last year. But for some reason, I feel like this year, it's just different. He's just, whenever we need a hit, he's up and he delivers. It's it's really, it's 
insane. This is the most 10 that anyone has ever been. He's like, yeah. he's verging on an 11. Yeah, for real. Um, DJ LeMahieu. Not a good week for DJ, by the way, but his his previous week was very good. Yeah, yeah, you mentioned not a great week. I don't, um, hmm. All right, so I'm looking... I should say, I don't know this for sure. I believe that DJ has never dropped below a nine so far in this. Yeah. And I'm like, he's batting 252, which doesn't mm. really deserve a nine. So mm, I'll, does not. But, but like in my mind, when DJ yeah, is up, it's, it's, about it's a nine. So I'll, right. give him an eight, I'll give him an eight and a half. Eight and a half. I'm also going to give him an eight and a half. Uh, I kind of don't want to be a prisoner of the moment, and it's still at that thing where he was he was hitting like 280 last week, and he had two home runs last week. Like he was he was hitting the ball well, but this Blue Jays series and this Rays series, he hasn't hit the ball so well. And also, he had the two rest days, which I don't think DJ wants two rest days in a week. Um, yeah, definitely not. So we'll see. Uh, hopefully, he can uh, fix things. Um, I still feel really confident though. Like I still feel really good with him. Yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. Um, Rizzo, I, I am so confident Anthony Rizzo. I'm going to keep him at a nine, but he, he's damn close to nine and a half. He's, he's been really good. Um, his season averages up over 300, which is not typical for Rizzo in these past couple of years. Still has 11 homers. He's, he's doing everything. And, uh, he's like, top 10 in OPS in the league he's he's been great so nine for Rizzo I feel like in uh, the past few weeks maybe I've been a little lower on Rizzo than you and Gruber but I'm gonna go 9.5 I feel great Ooh. about Anthony Rizzo right now he is really seeing the ball well I think some of that is the shift just like those singles that used to be the second baseman like standing in right field catching them and uh those like sort of weird plays where the entire outfield is shifted right like and he hits a fly ball that the left fielders in the gap for it just like those are now hits and uh i don't know i just feel really great with him at the plate right now yep me as Glaber well torres what do we got glaber um he was trending the wrong way and then he hit a couple of that homer today i'm gonna keep glaber at a seven Seven yeah, for me. This is a little bit boring. I also have Glaber at a seven. Um, <laughs> just I think a seven is is not worried about Glaber, but not excited about Glaber. That's like Glaber's resting. Uh, I think that for for DJ, his resting point is like a nine. For Rizzo, it's for me like an eight. For Glaber, it's like a seven. It's like he's just I'm not worried, but I'm not feeling it when he's up. So yep, agreed. Anthony Volpe. Volpe. Um, he's, you know, he's like, we keep, I feel like we say this every time. He does have good at bats, but then you look up and he's batting 212 right now, which is not going to cut it. It's not going to cut it. Um, but it, yeah, you got to give him the benefit of the doubt. It's, it's so hard to hit as a rookie. Um, so much going on. So you got all the new pitchers to learn, new approaches, new everything. So, I'm gonna I'm gonna put Volpe at a six and a half. A little bit below Glaber, but still not not anything to worry about. 
Yeah, me too. Uh, I think Volpe, I feel like his walks haven't been there the same way. That's kind of why his OB, uh, his OBP is, is not where it used to be. And the average still hasn't fully taken the jump that we want it to. I do think, uh, there's a lot of good things you see when you watch him though. So, and that home run, it was really, was really a nice home run. And the other thing about Volpe is like, he was, he was struggling. Uh, and this is like the two weeks since we last, uh, had this, uh, this ratings thing. Um, he was hitting leadoff and he was struggling, uh, hitting leadoff. And then they moved him down to, uh, the six, seven sort of range. And he's been hitting a lot better there. So. I'll give Volpe a six and a half. Perfect. Harrison Bader. Harrison Bader. Um, you know, I think I'm very confident when he comes up to the bat. Um, mm-hmm. I'm going to say. I think eight. he has a lower ceiling than like the the top of the order guys. I think. Yeah, yeah. Like, I don't exactly. know if Harrison Bader can be a 10. No offense. Right, right. I think he's. Yeah, he's pretty probably pretty close to his ceiling right now in terms of confidence. Um, sure. I'll give him an 8.5, 8.5, which is surprising. He's in line with DJ, but um, mm-hmm. that is that's that does seem about right. Yeah, no, I think that's about right. I'll give him an eight just because I'm a little less confident in him now than I was last time when he was like just thrashing the rays and stuff. Um, yeah, so. Yeah, he's in the eights. Uh, Oswaldo Cabrera. It's been ugly. It's it's uh, not much to show for with Oswaldo. Um, I'm gonna give him a four, just because he hasn't done anything. He he literally hasn't. I can't remember his last home run. It was a very long time ago. So four for me. Yeah, me too. It felt like he was turning the corner a bit uh, a few weeks ago, but kind of didn't. Um, he's also one to see. I think he's probably a part of this playoff roster, but I could see him getting sent down if they want to hold on to, I don't know, Calhoun's bat or Jake Bowers or something because he has the options. But he's yeah. he's someone who's a part of this team, I think, for the next several years, and maybe they just want to let him uh, find something in the minors at the plate and uh, see if that that'll wake him up. Yeah, I could see it. Kyle Higashioka. Higgy. Um, you know, his his responsibilities have been heightened a little bit now with Trevino getting injured. Um, but I, I trust Higgy. I'll give him a I mean as much as I can. Uh I'll give Higgy a five, which is probably right around where he's been all season. I think mm-hmm. you kinda you know what you're getting with Higgy, so five seems right. I'm going to give Higgy a five and a half. I think, you know, he had a really bad game right before the, uh, or prior to that big hit, he had a really bad game, but also just like something about his, his demeanor and the fact that he makes hard contact, like his outs look good, huge swing and miss guy, but his outs look good. So I don't know. I feel okay with Higgy at the plate. Yeah. IKF, he had a good week. Two Dead. home runs. When's the last time IKF had two home runs in a week? <laughs> Definitely not with the Yankees. Uh, um, yeah, he's showing a little pop. I like it. But 
I think he also has a bit of a ceiling. Um, I'm gonna, I'm also gonna give IKF a five, verging on a five and a half, but not quite there yet. So we'll keep him at a five. Yeah, I'm gonna give IKF a six. Like There's it. like it just feels good. Here's what I think feels so good about it. IKF hit a pull home run and an opposite field home run, which, like, to be totally honest, I don't think we've seen an IKF opposite field home run. Yeah. Uh so just seeing that he can do that makes me feel good. I feel like he's making better contact. Um and I don't know, maybe he feels nice about the fact that he wasn't DFA'd. Like it could have been him. Right. Uh his versatility I think makes him a more valuable player than Hicks, but and his speed, but you know, Hicks is DFA'd and and IKF still stands. So maybe he's feeling himself a little bit. Yeah, it's a good it's a good theory. <clears throat> Willie Calhoun. Um, nothing really of note. Quiet week for Willie. He did uh, have the one home run off Manoa. That's right. That's right. The home run. This is just about field, though. Yeah, we'll stick with a f- uh, four. Four. Not much to feel great about. Yeah, I'm gonna say a five. I just feel. Fine. Well, he's just he's a five right now. Yeah, it's fair. Um, Jake Bowers. Not a good week for Jake Bowers. Either. No, not at all. Um, I think he's in that same Calhoun range. Let's let's keep him at a four. Yeah, I'll say four and a half. Uh, I still kind of like his at bats. I like the the some of the pitches he takes, but yeah, not great from uh from Jake Bowers. Ben uh-huh. Rortvet. They said this day would never come. <laughs> ben Rortvet has not only. Uh, made the Yankees active roster, but he's taken an at bat, which means he is in our confidence, uh, our hitter confidence ratings. Yeah, and they've been good at bats. He's, he's two for uh, three, I think. Yeah, he's taken advantage of his role. Um, but we're talking about ceilings. He definitely has a ceiling. We're not going to jump the gun, no matter if he's hitting like six sixty seven or whatever. Um, let's say Ben Rortvet is a. It's so it's such a small sample size. Opposite field double, like I know that was impressive, and they keep showing like his forearms. They're like ooing and eyeing over <laughs> in the broadcast booth. So let's do a biceps. Yeah, I feel like I'm giving everyone a four. Um, four, four. <laughs> I'm gonna give Rortvet. So here's the logic I'm I'm using. Rortvet is a light hitting catcher, right? Who I've never seen hit before. And he didn't really hit in his previous time in the majors, right? So that's to me like a two and a half. Right? Yeah. But also like you want to be optimistic. So you round up to a three because like he just got here. I don't want to be mean. Fair. Um his first at bat is a double. So that's immediately a point. Like <laughs> good for you, man. <laughs> so now you're at a four and then he gets another hit. So for me, he's at a four and a half. Uh, we'll see Perfect. where he, uh, he ends up. Perfect. And then Greg Allen, professional outfielder. You know, I I don't even know if... Um, Very small sample size. But yeah. We knew he existed he... before. so like That's true. We do have a previous now. sample size. But according to this season, in my eyes, I don't have any measurement because i've never seen it at greg allen at bat we mentioned we missed today's game um but let's give him a 
a three. I think he's not much of a, a, a force at the plate. <laughs> yeah. So the interesting thing is like Greg Allen, I'm going to read you all of his batting averages from his, his, uh, his major league teams. Okay. Yeah. Greg Allen as a Cleveland guardian Indian. Um, he hit 239 with a, uh, a 70 OPS plus Greg That's Allen decent. in one game as a San Diego Padre hit zero, but how do you play one game <laughs> with a <laughs> uh, 75 OBP? I don't know how that works. Uh, <laughs> like 075? No, 750. Oh, 750 OBP. He, okay, he worked two walks. And he didn't and get he got a hit, right? Yeah. So he actually has a 138 OPS plus. Um, but that's like not even a real stop. Then with the Pittsburgh Pirates, 186, uh, a 260 OPS for a 51 OPS plus. Okay. Greg Allen with the New York Yankees, 270. Oh. With a 136 OPS plus. And that's not a fake 138 from one game with San Diego. That's like. He had Damn. 48 plate appearances and he earned that. He was just, he was born to be a Yankee. I think. Born to be a Yankee. The pinstripes are heavy, but Greg Allen embraces it. And yeah. he's not a big guy, but he, he, comes, he wears them well. He wears them well. He comes in and he immediately triples. Greg Allen is a five. <laughs> Feeling good about Greg I Allen. I love it. I said, Greg what, Allen four, killed his. Yeah, that is true. That, that should be an extra point. Um, Pretty wild. And then as a real quick calculate the average here. Ten oh, plus. yes. For those of you who are who are uh, listening at home, I'll read it out loud so you can check my work here. <laughs> I'm gonna guess it's gonna be like a six point two. I think it's gonna be the highest one we've had because no hicks at a two or whatever. True. Ten so plus eight point five plus nine point two five plus seven. Plus six point five, plus eight point two five. We could just use an Excel thing and have this, but we do things the hard way. Plus three, plus five point two five, plus five point five, plus four point five. Great radio. Four point two five, plus four point two five. Plus four. All right. And Divided how many by 13. One, 13. Yeah. What'd you say? 6.2. Wow. Is that right? 6.25. Yes. Very Even better than I thought. Very impressive. That is, I think, our highest one so far, right? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, the last one was... It was a- under six. 5.96 and probably the best one would be the first one which was a oh no that was a 6.65 6.65 yeah okay so we're almost there i think if uh you know if we get normal dj and if we get a little bit like more from oswaldo although yeah. i'm not sure my greg allen five will hold but you know <laughs> we'll Never see. Know. Okay. so now we'll finish the episode uh with probably the highest production thing that we've done so far we don't have like a producer or something but 
Uh, so <laughs> we don't have official drops, but this is a new segment called Close My Eyes and I Can See. I close my eyes and I can see. So we are going to go through the players on the Yankees, the hitters, and close our eyes and say what we see them doing at the plate. All right, we're going to go from the bottom up. So that means we're going to start with Oswaldo Cabrera. When you close your eyes, what do you see from Oswaldo Cabrera? I see a pop out to short left field. Okay. When you close your eyes, is Oswaldo hitting from the right or the left? Right. Interesting. I don't know why. For me, it's the left. Yeah, that that would make more sense, but for some reason, I I see him as a right, uh, righty. Yeah, I love Oswaldo, but like right now, I close my eyes, I see swing and a miss. Um, yeah, so that sucks. Hopefully, hopefully we change that. Uh, I'm not sure how often we're gonna do this segment, but uh, hopefully it gets a second uh thing, and then Oswaldo is getting hits. But all right, next up is let's go Ben Rortbet. When you close your eyes, what do you see from Ben Rortbet? I it just keeps playing in my mind that double off the wall. I picture him sliding almost past second base, and then he reaches and barely gets back with his finger. I thought he was out, and that um, that's all I see. I, I also I see thought it. he was out. I yeah, <laughs> I was very nervous, and that would have been a terrible way to start your <laughs> start your career. So I, I see the double. That makes sense. I see a ball for some reason. He's taking. <laughs> okay. Like, if I'm being totally honest, I know he can hit because I've seen it twice now. But I still see, uh, I still see him just taking. Um, Jake Bowers, what do you see? Jake oh, Bowers. And, uh, and Rortvet is taking outside, by the way. Okay. Yeah. Good to know. Jake, Jake Bowers. Bowers. We've commented a lot on his swing. He does have a really nice swing. Mm-hmm. Um. I I see like a a loud out like a a line drive, but get not like a line drive, but a a pretty hard hit fly ball to the outfield, but gets caught ultimately. Where is it in the outfield? Um, right center. Right center. Okay. Yeah. This is. I'm just being totally honest about what happens when I close my eyes. What I see, I see a ball again. But this is a good take. This is like a really nice Jake Bowers take. It's like. The pitcher was trying to get that low inside corner and Jake Bowers spits on it. That's what I see. So it's a positive. I think it's like the most positive of the things that I see when I close my eyes so far. That's good. Billy Calhoun, what do you see when you close your eyes? Oh, I'm sorry. Swinging him. Oh, I totally forgot that you don't join me in the Greg Allen five club. (laughs) So we should have said Greg Allen. Greg Allen. Oh, Greg Allen. I can confidently say I see a a weak rolled over ground ball. Um, he's a righty, right? Yeah. He's a switch hitter. Okay, so I see him batting righty, roll over to third base, and he makes it a close play at first, but not quite. I also see Greg Allen batting righty, and I see him uh I see him bunting for a hit. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I he uh he pokes it past the pitcher and the second baseman is like charging in and he fields it cleanly, but Greg Allen is too fast. Too fast. Yeah. Um, okay. Now we'll do Willie Calhoun. Yeah. Willie, I, I see a swing and a miss. Uh, I don't have much confidence. Um, and 
it almost just seems like a strikeout or a home run with him. Three true outcomes. Yeah, Willie, I see a um a he pops it foul, and the first baseman runs like uh three to seven feet towards the dugout, and then he camps under it and he like he waits there for a second, like it was a real yeah. High. And Willie's like still halfway down the baseline. Just yeah. Like... <laughs> And it's an awkward situation for Willie because it's clearly not a hit. So do you run? And right. I think Willie, like, he couldn't tell immediately that it wasn't a hit, but, like, it's so Unless there's, like, a huge me. gust of wind. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it would be funny if I could close my eyes and I see this ball, like, suddenly being blown back into foul territory, and Willie is just on first base with a pop-out. <laughs> but, no, the first baseman makes the catch. Uh, Willie, uh, that's what I see. Dang. Sorry. All right. Next up, we have Higgy. What do you close your eyes and see Higgy doing? Um, I'm gonna join you in the in the ball bandwagon. I just close my eyes and I see a nice take Good. up and in. Oh. And he like it's like he almost thinks about maybe a check swing, like a he half would. check swing, yeah. but yeah, then doesn't would. doesn't quite. Uh, so a nice a nice take from Higgy. Higgy doesn't always have a great eye, but he's had a couple of walks recently. So yeah, I see a single. Higgy hits a hard single. It's kind of right at the left fielder, and uh, he fields it pretty cleanly off one bounce. Uh, and Higgy's on first base, and he's he's sort of nodding. He feels good about it. Um, okay, so that's a so that's I think our first one that has two positive results, right? Yeah, Higgy. Okay, nice. Getting there. All in a single. Uh, when you close your eyes, what do you see Anthony Volpe doing? This is, um, this is tough. I see, unfortunately, I see a swing and a miss. He has that really uppercut swing. Yeah. I see like a high strike and he just swings and miss, but he does, um, I don't know. Yeah. That's what I see. Yeah, I do too. I kind of see him timing it too. He just, he doesn't, he's like just under it. Yeah, exactly. Um, Or even just on top. I can see them both pretty clearly. Uh, He does have like that uppercut, right? It's like yeah. weird. We'll see about that. I would love for that to not be the case soon. Yeah. No, I do see a swing and a miss right now with Volpe. Yeah. And that's our first one the same. So there we go. Right. Uh, Next up, we have Glaber Torres. What do you see when you close your eyes and see Glaber Torres? Glaber, you know, I see, I see a nice opposite field double, uh, like one hop off the wall, and he, he makes it a close play at second, but ultimately slides in. I think I've been liking Glaber's at bats recently. I, I think uh, double off the wall. And did you skip IKF intentionally or? Oh no, I'm sorry. I'm it's sorry, okay. Isaiah. Let's uh well you already said yours for Yeah, Glaber. do Glaber. Yeah. Um when I close my eyes, Glaber has two strikes and he's shortening up. And he's able to make it's not like a great like hard contact Higgy single, but like he he has you know, it's kind of a nice piece of hitting. He sorta he finds a way to get it into right field for a single. Yeah. Um it's interesting that when I close my eyes, Glaber's the only one that has a count. But Glaber has two <laughs> strikes when I close my eyes. Uh, all right, IKF. Um, IKF. What do you close your eyes and see IKF do? 
This is like the most confident one. I just, I always feel like he grounds it out. Always yep. just like yep, poke, tries to poke it the other way, but it's just like a lame, uh, easy play. So, so you have him grounding out. out to second. To second base, yeah. I actually have him grinding out to short. Um, okay. And he runs it out, but you know. Yeah. He doesn't He's quite the ultimate have, like, ground ball guy. Uh, although I have him at a six, so that's kind of at odds. But yeah, no, I feel good about him right now. But I also see him grounding out. Yep. We got Harrison Bader. What do you see him doing? Harrison Bader. I see. Hmm, this is tough. <sighs> For some reason, I'm go I... first. I have it. Yeah, go go. Harrison Bader is singling up the middle. He, this was like a nice, he's right on it, but also he doesn't hit it that hard. So sort of off the end of the bat, I guess, but like it felt good. And uh, he takes a big turn. Yeah. And it's like, Bader, you're not going to second, buddy. But he he always thinks about it just in case the center fielder misplays it or something. He wants to be ready, but he turns back. You know, Bader, he's been providing some pop. I, I'm going with a homer. I wow. think. Where? To left center. Left center, yeah. Left center, homer. I feel like, I don't he doesn't even, have, I think he has, what, three home runs? But for some reason, they've all been pretty big. And, like, I've seen them all. So maybe that's part of it where I, uh, the percentage of at-bats that I've seen, a high percentage of home runs, so. Homer for Harrison Bader. Harrison Bader has three home runs, uh, four now. But yeah, yeah, we saw that one that went to the short porch. But I think for the most part, he goes left field, left center. So that makes sense. Yeah. Um, DJ Lemayhew, you close your eyes and you see what? This is see. I was thinking about Bader to match you. I was mm-hmm. thinking that, but this is the the DJ classic single right up the middle. Single right up. The solid hit. Um. Not off the end of the bat, just like right on the barrel. He just, you know, takes his time, jogs, takes a nice turn, and he turns to the dugout, gives a nice clap. That's it. Yeah, he does like a clap, DJ. Yeah. Um, I see like sort of the same kind of contact, but I see it to right field. Mm-hmm. And the second baseman like has no shot, but it's also not like that high. It's just sort of like that liner. And the right fielder like fields it cleanly, but he has to run a little bit. So, like, it's that thing of you're like, oh, maybe he doesn't field it, and maybe it's a double, but it's not. Yeah. Um, He's very slow. Yeah. Uh, well, no, I think if he doesn't field it, it is a double. Right, just, right. Like, he fields it. Uh, and, yeah, there is that sort of – he looks at the dugout. He gives a little yeah. DJ thing. Uh, Anthony Rizzo, what do you see right now? I see a nice, solid – Hold line drive that lands like just past that infield dirt single uh, between the first and second baseman that like it's kind of like before the camera switches, you're kind of still thinking there's a shift and it's like, oh, that's an easy out. But then it, it just kind of peeps through and the second baseman just out of his reach and Rizzo with a nice single. Yeah, I am definitely seeing something in that direction. I think he hits it a little bit further. And it's kind of in the gap, but he doesn't quite hit it hard enough for it to be a double. So, like, right. you're not sure if the center fielder or the right fielder is going to field it. 
but it's kind of right in that sort of right center <clears throat> uh, lane. And Rizzo also takes a big turn, but he's not gonna he's not gonna try. Not gonna push it. And then Aaron Judge, I think we have similar thinking. What do you think? Uh, he Dinger does City. Yeah, oh, where touch them all? Um, let me close my eyes. Yeah, like close your eyes. deep, deep left center, uh, but like close to center field, a mm-hmm. little bit offset, like yeah. where uh, I don't even know Monument Park, like the most left part of Monument Park. Yeah, I'm I'm right there with you. I actually maybe more center than yours, but also like not exact. See, I wouldn't say it's dead center because the main thing I see right now, I'm closing my eyes and covering my eyes. Uh, <laughs> Judge is hitting it so high that you can't quite tell where it's going. Yeah. And then it falls. And it's clearly in center field. Like You wouldn't quite say it's in left center, right. but you would say that it's left of center. Exactly. That's exactly what I was trying to say. Yeah. Yeah. Like, and he is hitting it like he is hitting it high. And then yeah. it lands in a place that like it doesn't fully make sense for it to land. Like yeah, at Yankee yeah. Stadium, it would be like sort of on that like, uh, I'm not sure if it's like above, the concourse. Yeah, sort of like the con. It's just like, well, that doesn't make sense. Like, yeah. <laughs> that's not where the balls go. It's not um, humanly possible. Yeah, that's what I see with Aaron Judge. So that was that was fun. Maybe we'll do that again in a couple months. You can't use that. Yeah, yeah we gotta get we gotta get Gruber's opinion too. I think Gruber would be really good at this. Maybe we'll just yeah. do Gruber next time. Yeah, we'll quiz him and yeah, we'll, we'll compare what, it to ours. <laughs> see what Groover sees when he closes up. All right. This was another long episode, but this was fun. I told you. I told you, and it's just two people. It actually goes longer for some Yeah, it does. There's no, like, uh, I don't know. There's no, like, ratatouille. Because you don't want, like, when there's three, you don't want to hog and, like, say everything. But then when it's just two, you're like, I can just spill everything. Don't yeah, you're just – I mean, we obviously just want to have a conversation anyway, but you're literally just having yeah. a conversation, and that that makes it longer. But it was fun. <laughs> uh, you can follow us at SSTN Pod on Twitter. I got really good at that. I can, like, say it so easily now. Rolls off the tongue. Uh, you can follow OJ at Jacob Jalvo. Gruber's not here, but you can still follow him at jgruber12. And you can follow me at D underscore Mart 97. Thanks for listening, and uh, we'll see you next time.